Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and every week I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. We'll use the best of psychology to help you be happy, healthy, and most importantly, yourself. Panic is no picnic. You get hit with a tidal wave of fear, your body short circuits, and you think this is the end. You're dying or you're going crazy. In short, it's a pretty awful feeling. And the one in four Americans who have experienced it often go for months or even years without knowing what panic is or what to do about it. So previously on the podcast, we covered symptoms of panic disorder and its dastardly sidekick, agoraphobia. But this week, we'll talk about what to do about them. So of course, working with a trained cognitive behavioral therapist is going to be your best bet. But here are six methods you can try on your own. So tip number one is practice having the sensations you're afraid of. So I know, I know, inducing the symptoms is often the last things folks with panic want to try, but hear me out on this one. So interpreting the symptoms, like a pounding heart or feeling lightheaded, as dangerous, like thinking I'm dying, throws fuel on the fire. And then your symptoms snowball, and over a matter of moments, you find yourself in the throes of a full-blown panic attack. So try inducing the very symptoms you're afraid of to practice having them outside the context of an attack. And then you can stop seeing them as dangerous. You'll learn that your body can handle a racing heart or a tight throat. And when you practice having your own symptoms, you're always in control. And you'll get the chance to habituate. Or as I like to say, your brain will get bored. So if you're worried about a pounding heart, hop on the treadmill. If you're terrified of feeling dizzy, sit in an office chair and spin around and around. If you're worried about shortness of breath, practice breathing through a coffee stirrer. Lightheadedness, crouch for a moment, and then stand up quickly. So in another example, one of my patients was terrified of feeling overheated, and so he decided to practice by hanging out in the always-too-hot copy room at his office. It was really creative, and it worked like a charm. Tip number two, bring it on. Now this sounds weird, but in panic disorder, which is fear of having a panic attack, a little reverse psychology works wonders. When you start to worry about panic or you feel that first twinge, tell yourself, hey body, I want more. Bring it on. Hit me with your best shot. And ironically, being willing to feel panic symptoms will stop the cycle of escalation. After all, panic is the fight or flight response gone haywire. So when you try to fight panic itself, you end up between a rock and a hard place and it all just amplifies exponentially. But by contrast, when you welcome in the sensations of fear, your body has no reason to fight or flee. Tip number three, remember it's just anxiety. So panic is all in the interpretation. Think of it this way. It's three in the morning and the phone rings. What happened? Well, it could mean your sister is dead, your brother needs to be bailed out, or your teenager is in the emergency room. But it could also mean a wrong number, a prank call, or someone who just got their time zones seriously mixed up. Until you pick up the phone, the reason for the call is a product of your interpretation. So it is with anxiety. Instead of interpreting it as, I'm dying, think, this is just my broken burglar alarm. I felt this before, and I wasn't dying then, and I'm not dying now. Interpret the anxiety not as something dangerous, but as something annoying you've handled before and can handle again. It's just anxiety.
Tip number four, come up with a new thought. The thoughts that go through our head, the cognitive symptoms we described a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, are scary. I'm going crazy. I'm going to pass out. I'm going to throw up and humiliate myself. The list goes on. So when you feel panic starting to rise, talk back to your thoughts in a new way. One patient of mine made her new thought, I got this. Another thought of it as a smackdown between her and anxiety. And a third decided on none other than F you anxiety. Choose something that works for you. Tip number five, slowly inch into panic situations. So one patient of mine had a panic attack in a fitness class and not only didn't go back, but also stopped exercising entirely. She wouldn't even take the stairs because she was worried that getting her heart rate up would induce another panic attack, something she never, ever wanted to experience again. So to fight her panic, in addition to challenging the thought that her heart couldn't handle exertion, she also started slowly inching back into exercise and getting her heart rate up a little at a time. First, she jogged a few steps, then a block, then around the block, and slowly she got herself back to the gym. Now, if it's a place you fear, like being worried you'll have a panic attack in a crowded movie theater, start by going to the theater and sitting as close to the exit as possible. But next time, move up a few rows, then move in a couple of seats, and so on. But don't move on to the next step until your current step is easy. Remember, your brain has to get bored. Tip number six, avoidance feeds panic. Now, think of a situation that makes you panicky. I'll bet you white-knuckle it until you can't stand it anymore and then quit, which makes you feel better. True, but consider this. While quitting does make you feel better in the short term, it also reinforces the idea that what you're doing was dangerous. Now, this makes sense if you're feeling panicky about swimming with sharks while you have a nosebleed, but it doesn't make sense if you're feeling panicky about crossing a parking lot, sitting in a restaurant, or riding the subway. You must be willing to endure a little anxiety, emphasis on little, never more than you're ready for, so your brain can round the corner and start getting bored. You don't have to jump in with both feet. Aim for inducing about a three on a one to 10 scale. You need to start with some anxiety in order to give you something to work with. So experience the three and then wait it out. Your anxiety might escalate to a four or a five at first, but if you stick with it rather than quitting, it'll eventually go back to a three and then a two and then a one. So try it out. Your brain will get bored, but you have to let it get over the hump. Then you can move on to the next step. As you master more and more situations, even the things you thought would be nines or tens will start to look easier. Before you know it, you'll be driving across bridges on windy days and sitting smack in the middle of a crowded restaurant, which is infinitely more fun than sitting in the emergency room with doctors telling you nothing's wrong. If you learned something from this episode, let me know by signing up for the forthcoming Savvy Psychologist email newsletter. Along with zero judgment, I hereby promise you zero spam. Just a monthly newsletter. We never sell or rent your email address. So to sign up, go to quickanddirtytips.com slash newsletters. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson. That's it for this week. But next week, we'll tackle a seldom talked about issue, how to deal with loneliness during the holidays. In the meantime, a transcript of the episode and the quickly growing archives are always available on quickanddirtytips.com slash savvy hyphen psychologist. And of course, I always have to say the savvy psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and doesn't substitute for psychiatric care or psychotherapy by a licensed professional. Thank you so much for listening. 
and I'll see you next week for a happier, healthier month.